0: And I think one of the issues with us in the church is that we might have the right type of thinking, but our practices are off, or there's something that does not go together. It's almost divisive in some ways, but I think you can kind of see this in the life of Solomon. Solomon, the wisest man, as the Bible would say, the wisest person that's ever lived, God gave him his wisdom, but he had tremendous downfalls. Now, why did he? Did he have the wrong knowledge? No, he had the right knowledge. He had wisdom from God. His issue was in putting it into
1: practice. What began in 1971 in response to a concern over neo-Orthodoxy, Dr. Gray Allison was given the green light to organize the School of the Prophets. With a budget of $125,000, no money, and 28 students from seven states, the School of the Prophets, now Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, opened its doors in August of 1972 at the Olivet Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas, equipping biblical leaders to light the way, Mid-America continues to prepare the next generation of church leaders to take the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world. Hi and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint, I'm Byron Tyler. And this is sort of an inaugural program as we get together on this show. Our general manager, Todd Payne and I have been discussing for several months now, working with the staff at the Seminary at Mid-America, to introducing you, our listeners, monthly to one of the professors. This has been in the works for a while and now we're getting a chance to have our first program. We'll be featuring a different professor each month here on Mid-South Viewpoint talking about numerous topics related to the Bible, the seminary, your Christian walk, faith. And I'll just throw this out. If you've got questions you would like our professors over the next few months to answer, we invite you to send those questions to email. But I'm looking forward to introducing our first professor from Mid-America. We actually enjoyed some time watching the Grizzlies play some basketball at FedEx Forum. Got Dr. Mikey Mooborn. Good to be with you today. Mikey, it's good to see you, my friend. Good to see you as well. Have you been to a Grizzly game lately? I
0: have not been. I have not been out of the house very much lately because of COVID and things like that,
1: but I would love to go back. That has really changed the way we live our lives in so many ways. Absolutely. Not just sporting events, but the church overall. And I know as having pastored for many years yourself, having also filled in recently as an interim pastor, that has to be a concern for you.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that people have lost the power maybe within the church. They've put a lot of Maybe it's complaints or maybe grievances toward the church of what the church is doing and what they're not doing. But what I've, I've noticed is that there's been a lack of power because people maybe aren't focused on Christ. They get distracted in the things of life. As I was the interim pastor of Broadway Baptist Church, and now I attend and serve at Crossroads Baptist Church with Rob Mullins, I've noticed that people are coming out of that type of feel and they're excited to be back in in the church and excited to be back serving again. So we've kind of come full circle, if you will, and I think we've also seen people get excited just about the opportunity to serve in a capacity where nothing's holding them back. And I think that's good to see that again.
1: Yeah. I think we shouldn't also forget those believers, our fellow believers in places around the world like in Peru and places of India reports where great numbers are dying because of the pandemic and not forget that this is a real thing. Yes, absolutely. And my wife, being in the medical field, she just shared with me the
0: terrible reports of what's happened around the world and what's happened even in America with the different deaths and the struggles that's in the medical field.
1: Well, we're going to talk some in a little bit in our program about your love for church history. I know in times we're living, we're actually making history now where we're living today, and the gospel is relevant to whatever period of time we're living, the gospel is that balm, that healing agent, you know, the good news, as we said in the opening of the show here, for the soul of man. Absolutely.
0: I love to see those moments in the church where the church responds in a biblical
1: way that says the Bible is sufficient for all things. Mikey, when I was looking over your resume, I knew your own staff at Mid America, of course, and I think I knew you were the associate dean of the College of Mid America, but when I started reading all the things, in addition to the director of campus life, Dean men, Chairman of the Department of Theology and Church History. Assistant Professor of Practical Theology. I mean, how do you manage all the responsibilities there on the campus? A lot of prayer. <laughs> really, the Lord has
0: um, just blessed me with an opportunity to be at America. A lot of the things that I do overlap, and so I'm able to be a professor, which helps me in campus life and helps me to know the students, and I can um, bring insights to them and encouragement to them while in the classroom, as well as being the dean of men. I can come alongside them and say, hey, how can I help you? Being the chairperson for the theology department is just fun because I get to be involved in a lot of different doctrines, the teaching of different doctrines, PhD seminars, things like that. And so I kind of set the path for the theology department and what's offered and what we do. And we're actually doing that right now. We're setting the schedule for the fall and the spring semester coming up. So very exciting times for us, but I love people. I really do and I love to see them thrive. It's a joy for me to be at America.
1: Well, I read where you spent most of your early years growing up in Tampa, Florida. That's right. Are you a Buccaneers fan? I'm a huge
0: Buccaneers <laughs> fan. Actually, the year that I moved here, uh, 2002, the next year they won the Super Bowl, which I can't believe I was not down there to see that, but it, uh, I heard it was a great celebration from all my family for them to win the Super Bowl again. Um, they are the true champions, apparently, for the last year in many things, many sports. You weren't part of the Idlewild church there. I was. Were you? I was. During my middle school years, we were attending Idlewild. Pastor Ken Witten was the pastor at that time, and the church was rather small or smaller. And then it just grew quickly. And I actually ended up going to Davis Islands Baptist Church after that church later on. And that's where I really saw a call to ministry in my life, which is kind of neat because Jeff Parrish was the pastor of that church, and he's also from the Memphis area. Yes. So. I
1: watched him do his internship in youth ministry over at Bellevue.
0: He is the very reason I ended up in Memphis because I had planned to go to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and through that path or trying to chase that path, I guess you would say, Dr. Parrish got a hold of me and said, "Hey, I think you ought to consider mid-America." hadn't heard of Mid America and he said, Let's fly up and he did a day trip. And we flew up here together, saw Bellevue, saw Mid America, met Doctor Mike Spradlin, just had a great visit, and I knew within a couple of months this is where I was supposed to be.
1: Neat to see how God works in our lives in those details. Guides us along and you mentioned your wife Emily, doctor Emily Mooborn. My wife is a nursing assistant and at one time had worked with your wife there at the practice in Collierville. That's how we got acquainted originally. Like you said, she's staying quite busy now. She's very busy, and actually, she's a glutton for punishment. She's started
0: another doctoral program, so she is working on a PhD now in nursing science. This will be her second doctorate, (laughs) along with practicing full-time as a nurse practitioner in Collierville. So yeah, she's a brilliant lady and beautiful lady.
1: Of course, together you have that son, John Wesley. John
0: Wesley, we call him Wesley. He's so funny. He turns three this month. A funny story about Wesley, we still haven't cut his hair. It's red hair curly hair and we just felt like we can't cut it it's too pretty so we've been working through it it's not a nazirite vow but uh
1: it seems close to it at least i love it well theology is the study of course of god there's a lot of ideas around the world who god is what he's like we believe there's one god to discover his nature character and plan for humankind are all in the pages of the Bible. When we use terms, Mikey, like systematic theology, biblical theology, what are we talking about? Yeah, systematic theology is a is a neat approach for us to
0: use for understanding what the Bible says about any specific topic or any certain topic, especially using culture and language and things like that to understand it. So when we take the Bible and we seek to understand it, maybe we're trying to understand Christology, the study of Christ, or maybe we're trying to study the end times, eschatology. What we do is we take all the verses that pertain to that, and we bring that together to give us an idea. So maybe be a lot of cross-referencing, things like that, to formulate an, an actual belief system. That theological framework that we create for those different concepts help us to explain what we believe. And so systematic theology is, is a wonderful tool. Now, there's, sometimes there's a struggle between is it man-made or is, did God give us a systematic theology? Well actually it's kind of like a, a scientist, and I think it's Henry Thiessen or Miller Erickson that actually talks about this. They would say that when you approach the Bible, you approach it in some way the scientist approaches nature and you see the evidence of it and you see clearly whether it's general revelation or now with the Bible we talk about special revelation, you look at it and you say, Now how do we put that into a framework where we understand it best? And so systematic theologians will work really hard to create that framework and and say we want to find all the verses that speak to this directly and then then they put them together and, and they come up with a summary for it. And so right. that's systematic theology and so there's other forms, as exegetical theology and biblical theology and historical and even apologetics,
1: but systematic is a very neat approach to well, understand the scripture. Do we need to have first a foundation in a biblical theology before trying to study systematically? I think so,
0: and my opinion is is that we need to know what the word of God says as a whole, as a full meta narrative, and then after knowing that, we start to create those doctrines that are laid out there. And so I encourage my students to read. For instance, when when you read the Bible, don't read just short passages and just dig deep on those. Specifically, I love for people to read a whole book of the Bible and then use that context to speak life into what's
1: going on. After that's been done, go into more of a systematic type of approach. Okay, Okay. Good word. Okay, now, if biblical theology traces the progressive revelation of God and his saving plan for mankind, what would be some examples we might find in the Bible to this type of theology? So when we think about,
0: let's say, Christology, there's a couple of passages we can look at that'll help us understand Christ and what he accomplished, whether it's Philippians chapter 2, where he took on the form of a servant. There's a word kenosis, and when we understand the word kenosis, it means that Christ emptied himself of something. But what did he empty himself of? It wasn't his deity. We know that Christ was the Son of God while living on the earth in the incarnation. So we know that very clearly. So we can look at that and take that approach of saying, what did he give up, per se? We know that he never gave up his divinity or deity but what we know is that he gave up the splendor of heaven. He gave up an aspect of beauty. He gave up that closeness with the Father in a sense so we can study. That systematic approach. We can go at understanding Christ or Christology with that approach. But when we think of biblical theology, well, who is Jesus? He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the King of Kings. And so we see him as ultimately above all, the sovereign Lord of all creation. But at the same time, there are little nuances that we can break out, maybe within the realms of systematic theology.
1: Really just diving a little deeper and kind of expanding that. I love that. I was talking to someone recently. We're talking about Bible study. He said in the context of Scripture being written, primarily writings from the Middle East or that part of the world, there was a thought of shame and honor it had been written from, learning things like that about text of the language. Is that important for us to know that when we're trying to understand the Bible for us today? Absolutely. It is so vital
0: for us to understand um, the text as it was written originally or how it was given to us in the Hebrew, the Greek, or the Aramaic. But it's also important to know that words have meaning. And so when we start delving into these different topics and these words, whether it's a Greek word or Hebrew word or whatever, it's so important to see what they mean along with what it's saying. In that time, and so I think context is going to really give life to what we look at. It's going to help us understand what God is what what God is actually
1: saying to us. Because oftentimes, if not many times, the English words that we understand don't always have the same meaning as those original Greek and Hebrew words that's
0: exactly right and sometimes when we look at words like baptizo you know to baptize that might be an important word I've been a part of Baptist churches for a long time and it has a strong meaning for the Baptist Church um, and for the churches that I've attended and, and been a part of and so it, it means something for us because the the word baptizo means to immerse and a lot of the verses actually in the New Testament, are not really talking about water per se, they're actually talking about being immersed into something such as either the ground or in Christ. And so when you go into Christ, it's not that you go into the water, Jesus isn't water, we go into him. He is the uh, perfect, righteous, holy son of God that's the land that was slain
1: before the foundation of the world. So we go into
0: him, not into the water.
1: You know, the biblical storyline provides numerous accounts of God's covenants with his people. In our world today, we don't tend to use that term covenant too often. What do you suggest that we do to broaden our understanding? I
0: love the word covenant, and I, I love it for the fact that the book of Hebrews explains it so well. I believe if you want to understand the a study of Christ or Christology in general, you study the book of Hebrews. I think that's one of your first go-to books. But I love it because he talks about Christ came to bring a better covenant. Christ is better in all things. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than the, the, the old covenant. In the Old Covenant, it shows us what's wrong with this. It shows us that we're in need of a Savior. It shows us there's something coming, if you will. And I talk about the Old Testament as being like an x-ray machine for us. It shows us what's wrong with us, but it doesn't fix us. But then the great healer, the great physician comes in to fix our broken hearts or our brokenness between us and God. And so he's the one who brings forth the fullness of the covenant or brings forth the better covenant to give us a true and right relationship with the Father God.
1: That is so good. Thanks for that. How can we, as believers in Jesus Christ, better engage our culture when we dive in and have an understanding of biblical theology, when we discover things through our systematic theology? You've got to balance what you take in by as christ told us to go into all the world you know and make disciples i've heard a statistic recently i think from the billy graham association that close to 80 percent of evangelicals don't share their faith and there's a lot of knowledge being received from the preaching and teaching and with podcasts and all these resources available to us but having that balance once we receive the word to engage our culture
0: yeah i think there's a lot of um, there's a lack of power, and I talked about this kind of at the beginning. There's a lack of power because we're not biblically literate. If the Bible gives us wisdom unto salvation, the Book of James talks about that, or the or the Bible. Even David, the psalmist, said, "I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you." He's saying I'm getting my power to not sin from the Word of God. And also, as you see in the New Testament, the Word of God has the power to save. And actually, we see very clearly in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is the Word of God. And so it's so important for us to kind of think of Christ as the incarnate Word of God. So how do we live the christ in our life? It's by knowing the Word of God. And so we've got to get past being biblically illiterate to know what God said, be empowered by what God said and not get so caught up, even a focus on theology. I think there's a phrase that I u- use for some of our uh, seminarians, if you will, and um, it's the phrase sometimes we become so theologically heavy, we're no biblically good. And I think what we do is we live in a world of hashtag theology where I believe this and I believe this and I got this neat statement and, and every, this is a, a, a catchy phrase, and we miss really what the Bible says. We can quote Great authors all day long, but when are we quoting God? When are we quoting the word of God? And it seems very little sometimes in our in our world. So we've got to get back to where the power is, the
1: primary source, which is the Lord God and His Word. Amen to that. Well, I know church history, as I mentioned, is another area where you like to study and converse. What period in church history have you enjoyed studying the most personally? I really enjoy
0: the Reformation period. I enjoyed a lot. But I teach, one of the main courses that I teach is Baptist history. And so looking at the last few hundred years of history to see how Baptists came into being, I appreciate what the Baptists were able to do. Whether you believe they come from an Anabaptist movement or whether you believe they come from the Reformed movement or whether you're a landmarker or a a trail of blood type of Baptist believer, however you look at it, the Baptists came through some vicious attacks where they were willing to believe and passively believe something and die for it. They didn't want to hurt anybody for their faith, but they were willing to die for it. And to see that transition of people speaking out for those types of things, I really appreciate that, to see what a lot of the Baptists went through and actually put out there in their confessions to help us understand really what they believed and how they articulate it. I
1: love studying the Baptist faith. It's interesting that you don't hear more of that from the pulpits today. Yes. You would understand if you're in an academic environment like seminary, you would hear that. I could see that could be an inspiring thing to hear how others gone before us. As you referenced Hebrews a minute ago, it says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you know? Amen. There's a heritage and a foundation of what we believe in those who have gone before and those who have made those sacrifices in the name of Christ. That's exactly right. Um, I had a neat moment. This was a couple of years ago, I
0: believe now, or maybe it was just a year and a half ago, but Dr. Jim Whitmire, who led worship at Bellevue Baptist Church for so many years, Many years. Now he's at Crossroads Baptist Church, but he actually took my course, Baptist History, History of the Baptist, and he said, I have spent so many years in the Baptist Church and never heard these things before that you're talking about. It's amazing to see our history. It's amazing to see where we have come from. And so I love that because we need to get that message out there. And I think religious freedom is really grounded, and some of our presidents have actually said that the religious freedom that we are experiencing today is because of Baptist faith, the passive type of mindset. And so there's quotes out there for this that are very helpful for us to understand. We had a big part in the start of America, but not just that, the freedom of religion for America.
1: They say that history repeats itself. Is there a period in church history that could be compared to where the church is today, do you feel? I do um, and I always have to be careful in the
0: way that I present this, but the conservative resurgence, the, the way that Mid-America started, it started in a way of, of Dr. Gray Allison stepping up to the plate and saying a lot of schools are going a, a, a more of a liberal direction the sense that the Bible is not the inerrant, infallible word of God, and there's issues with it, there's problems with it, so much so that we need to get on track, get back on track. And so he started Mid-America with the whole thought process of saying, we got to get back to the Word and what it says, and it needs to speak to us, not us speak into it. And I think that we're at a place right now where there's all types of theology that is being spread like wildfire because of popularity and because of maybe hashtags or whatever it might be, that people are going down the wrong road. And so we're hitting uh, another issue, I think, that we would call the sufficiency of the Word of God issue, that the Bible is sufficient to speak into the issues of life. And so at America, we are strongly for and supportive of the idea of the sufficiency of Scripture, that the Word of God speaks life. Into all things, not everybody else doesn 't matter how you grow up or where you come from, but the Word of God speaks life, it gives life, and in in Christ in the Word of God as his destruction to us, we can have life as well.
1: It was in the summer of one thousand nine hundred and fifty seven that Dr. Billy Graham preached nightly for sixteen consecutive weeks in new york 's Madison Square Garden to a packed audience. The New York Times reported that he shared the lessons of Sodom and Gomorrah from the Bible substituting New York for the names of the cities of sin. Mikey, how can Christians exert moral influence, what we believe from Scripture today, in a society where Christian uh, assumptions about reality, they're not prevalent anymore?
0: So there's two, two ideas of thought when we think of Scripture and practicing it. There's the orthodoxy, it's how we think, and it's do we have the right type of thinking. So right thinking is the way we would explain orthodoxy. But then there's the other side of it, which is orthopraxy. It's having the right practices to go along with our right thinking. And I think one of the issues with us in the church is that we might have the right type of thinking, but our practices are off, or there's something that does not go together. It's almost divisive in some ways, but I think you can kind of see this in the life of Solomon. Solomon, the wisest man, as the Bible would say, the wisest person that's ever lived, God gave him his wisdom, but he had tremendous downfalls. Now, why did he? Did he have the wrong knowledge? No, he had the right knowledge. He had wisdom from God. His issue was in putting it into, into practice. And so, I think that's where we're seeing the struggle. And that's why I love Mid America because Mid America not only says, "Hey, we want to have the right thinking," but we want to have the right practice to go with it. And that's why sharing your faith is such a a crucial part of who we are at Mid America. We want it to be a, a part of your lifestyle.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, that is so important part of our daily lifestyle. Daily lifestyle. Daily lifestyle. Daily lifestyle. Yeah. Okay, you mentioned about leadership and that's basically what you guys at Mid-America, the college and the seminary, are trying to prepare leaders engaging our society, engaging the world. So what are some of the dynamics equipping biblical leaders? Some of the dynamics that we really look at
0: is the idea of Learning, growing under people that are maybe doing it right or doing it the, a way that shows a, a lifestyle that's credible and it has a reputation. And so putting yourself under certain people that are doing it right, maybe there's some accountability and all those things. But also along with that, having that daily time in the Word of God that you are um, you're growing and you are learning from God Himself. You know, one of the things that I think we forget sometimes. We are to worship, John chapter 4, we're to worship the Father in spirit and truth. We are to worship the Lord God Almighty in spirit and truth. Those are two ingredients, if you will. I know that's kind of playing with words, but two ingredients, if you will, that are non-negotiables, meaning that we've got to come to the Lord. We can only come to the Lord through the truth, which is the Word of God, and the Spirit really who is our teacher. And so if you have the Spirit and the teacher together, then you're going to become the influencer in your community and not just your community. I mean, we're talking about your family. We're talking about your own self. We're talking about if you can't lead yourself well, you're never going to be able to lead anybody. Else, And the, the Bible talks about that with elders and deacons and things like that. So if you can't lead well yourself, then you're going to have a hard time with everybody else. But I think spirit and truth are the two main ingredients for truly living the Christian life. I think we're so careful these days to not get caught up saying Holy Spirit too much or we're afraid that that might be a term that other churches use and and maybe we don't agree with it, so we run from it. Actually, I'd say no. I'd say the opposite. Let's run toward the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God work in us, strengthen us, grow us, and empower us to do the work God's called us to do and, and let the Word of God just flow freely through us. Well,
1: we shouldn't be afraid of something Something that Christ told us is a gift for us. He's going to teach us all things. He's our comforter. He's our helper. Absolutely. While he went back to the Father. Absolutely. So <laughs> I'm going to preach the Holy Spirit every
0: day, Amen. and Holy Spirit living. And I'm going to preach the Word of God every day. That's my heart. I have a tagline: Emmanuel Baptist Church, where I pastored for almost nine years in Carville, Tennessee. It was so wonderful. I went back to visit them recently to preach for them. It was funny when I was introduced, the church actually said that person introducing me, just a wonderful, amazing man, he actually said, I'll never forget the phrase that you taught us and you said it almost every week, take the word of God, read it, believe it, and live it. Do that through the power of the Spirit of God. And so... That's something that church walked away with, and they believe it, and they have taken it in, and they're going forward with that. So that's it's always encouraging to be able to talk to people about the Word of God and the Spirit.
1: Read it, believe it, and live it. That's it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great takeaway and a great way for us to end our show yeah. today. Now, if somebody would like for you to expand maybe on the conversation that we have got into, we couldn't complete everything. I had a whole bunch more I wanted to talk about, but how can they contact you? Sure. You can email me at m.muborn at
0: mabts.edu you, or you can definitely call the church offices, and I would love to answer
1: any of the calls there and get back with you as soon as possible. Dr. Mikey Muborn, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you for being our guest today. Absolutely. It's been a joy to be here. Thank you for what you do. Praise the Lord for all He's doing in our lives. Well, thank you for what you do for Christ's kingdom. Through the work and ministry of Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary and the college at Mid-America too. this is the first show in our programs with Mid-America. Each month, listeners, a new professor here to talk with you and answer questions, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, friends, thanks for listening to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Bye-bye. If you have questions about the Bible, the character and nature of God, or how to personally know Jesus Christ, email btyler at botradionetwork.com. We'll respond to your request and possibly make them a part of our Professors from Mid-America episode next month. Discover more about Mid-America Seminary and the College at Mid-America at mabts.edu.